0: Sandra, thank you, but you're not done up there yet. So, um, oh goodness, I, I knew it would happen. Um, can we have a clean up an aisle two, please. Um, paper towels. I'm not kidding. Um, so, um, the uh, we're gonna do. You know what, Mike? You can't go. We're gonna sing Happy Birthday. For my- so, um,
1: <laughs>
0: that's funny. Last week it was my alarm. By the way, our house is okay. Uh, your house is okay, right? I mean, we had the fire, we had the, he had the fire at his house, we had the police at ours, so we had, we had a false alarm, um, it was hilarious, let me tell you this story here real quick, that's, it's gonna smell really good, it's gonna smell like, uh, really nice, um, uh, but we, uh, we had, last weekend we had, uh, Kelsey's birthday party, and, uh, they, we had an interior alarm go off on Sunday while I was preaching, as you know, and, uh, uh, it was funny because Mike went there to help us out. My dad went there with Ann, and um, they found—I'm going to use in the words of Mike Roberts—they found the perpetrator. It was on the ground, and he was filled with helium. It was—it was a mylar balloon that was going in front of our motion, and so it's pretty crazy. So, and then you had the fire department. You had uh, a gas thing go right.
1: <laughs> That's up. Uh,
0: yeah. Well, that it could have. So very well could have. That was a, so they had quarantined a whole city block, didn't they? Yes. Yeah, I mean, this is crazy. So it was a fun day. But anyway, what we're gonna do this morning? We got a few birthdays here. Donna's birthday, my brother's birthday, Tedder's, and Drake. Yours was like last week, wasn't it? Do you mind if we sing happy birthday to you too, buddy? Okay, so we gotta sing happy birthday to three people here, uh, if you don't mind. Sing "Happy Birthday" to him. Wasn't my fault. I didn't bring it up. See, so we'll do it again. Okay. (laughs) From the top. Go downstairs. They've got some awesome, awesome things for you today. Miss Ann does. I think today is reward day, isn't it? Woohoo! Reward and review. It pays to come. Huh? What happened? Oh gosh, yeah, we got great stuff. We got a new reverse osmosis system in the house, so we got the water. We were having problem with the water thing. Uh, and the, the five gallon juggy thingy wasn't working right, so I was getting annoyed with it. And so I had the guys come out and I said, just quote a quote like a you know the systems reverse osmosis systems you have in your house. Are they do it for businesses too. And then I said, What's the cost analysis on that? And the guy's like, Ah, yeah, same charge, we won't even charge you for the install. You guys keep preaching the word here. So <laughs> So, it was crazy because we have water filtration to that. By the way, too, my dad fixed uh, the cappuccino maker. Yeah. If you're interested in cappuccinos after church, just press that button, fill three-quarters of the way up, and you have yourself a hot cappuccino. <laughs> and then downstairs, we've got a little sink tap now. We've got, we've got it all. I mean, we've got it all going here. So, if you have a water problem in your life, it's been solved here. So... <laughs> Anyways, we got clean water here, so it'll be a good time. But it was a praise the Lord because the guys, like you, just keep you guys keep uh, get, you know sending the word out, and uh, I'm like, I'll take that. So it was a really short meeting. I think I was here for five minutes with them, and I'm like, okay, deal. Not much to think about here. So really quick, uh, as you know, we've been talking about standing in the gap, standing in the gap part two, Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30. If you want to turn in your Bibles, there, Ezekiel 22. Verse 30. And what we see in this story, I'll kind of encapsulate it here. The sins of Israel's leaders. Uh, how many of know if the leaders are having problems, so does the country? Let's look real quick here at the... Uh, at, why don't we actually start back at 23 and let's see what's the problem. So, because you always got to read scripture in context, you know, rightly dividing the word of truth. I love how we peel and pick scriptures to fit into our situation. And uh, it means absolutely nothing to that situation. But this scripture here, I want us to give context to what's happening. And also really what's, uh, what's happening to the modern day civilization, if you will. Starting in verse 23, again a message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, give the people of Israel this message. In the day of my indignation, you will be like a fluted land, a land without rain. Your princes plot conspiracies just as lions stalk their prey. They devour innocent people, seizing treasures and extorting wealth. They make many widows in the land. Your priests have violated my instruction and defiled my holy things. They make no distinction between what is holy and what is not. They do not teach my people the difference between what is ceremonially clean and unclean. They disregard my Sabbath days so that I am dishonored among them. By the way, we still go to church in 2017. Can you believe that? Your leaders are like wolves who tear apart their victims. They actually destroy people's lives for money. And your prophets cover up for them by announcing false visions and making lying predictions. They say, my message is from the sovereign Lord. And when the Lord hasn't spoken a single word to them, even common people oppress the poor, rob the needy, and deprive foreigners of justice. Everyone say, "Uh Uh uh-oh. I look for someone who might rebuild the wall. This is our key. I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap, in the wall, so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. You know, that's a really telltale sign, spiritually speaking, I think, in the church today at large. When people are looking for God to move and they're needing His Spirit... And I don't want it to be something that we are here and this is how come I really take pride in helping the widows and the orphans and the poor and the needy. I think it's a very powerful thing when we minister to people at the very ground-based needs of life that God is blessed by that. Would you not agree? God's looking for people to stand in the gap. And today maybe God is calling you to stand in the gap. I would say not just maybe, but yes. Turn to someone and say, is God calling you to stand in the gap? I think what happens in the church, I love what Leonard Ravenhill writes. He said, this is the hour when we are asked over and over again, is everyone happy? Is everyone happy? And I was preaching last week, and I'm guilty of that. I'll be the most guilty of it. I like a good time. How many in here like a good time? So I'm not here to be a doomsday person, but I will tell you, now, we got some doomsday scenarios going on. I don't know if you know this, the atomic clock. And I don't know if you heard about this. Or they, they call it the clock till midnight. And now scientists are saying, because of all the craziness, that it's two and a half minutes to midnight. They have all these variables of people doing stuff and leaders and nations. And they say, we're two and a half minutes to midnight. And I laughed when I heard that. Because I said, I don't need these crazy scientists to tell me this stuff. I have the Word of God that already tells me this. Come on. We live in the last days. And we live in a time now in history where people that are wrong call things right and people who are right, they call them wrong. We live in a time in the church where people will come to only listen to things the Bible declares that itches their ears. They want to hear things that will make them happy. Last week when I was preaching on the sins of Sodom, I would be a liar to tell you that I wasn't nervous to preach this because of our cultural wars that are in effect right now. And as I sit there, I remember there was a couple that came, and I was nervous because I'm like, Lord, really, we have these visitors here. What if they don't like the message? Now, you're not supposed to think that, but we think that. Come on. And as I'm wrestling through it in worship and the message and the delivery of it and everything going on, because in my flesh, I want people happy. See, God's goal, and I've said this before, God's goal for your life and for my life is not for you, quote, to be happy, but for you to be holy. Holy. Now, you might be happy getting holy, but the happiness is a byproduct of holiness. My goal here today, and when we read Scripture and we see what's going on in our nation, if we are not weeping, if we are not crying aloud and spare not, if we are not on our knees saying, God, I pray, I'm standing in the gap on behalf of this nation, then folks, we're going to be held accountable for that. Because judgment comes, let me tell you something real quick. Judgment comes to the house of God first, not second. We've sat so much. We've been entertained too much. No, folks, we must stand. We must enter in. We must no longer say, You go up to the mountain for us. I think it's an amazing thing as far as our entertainment is concerned and where we go with things in life. I remember Billy Graham. I heard an article, or read an article about Billy Graham. This, famous entertainer came up to him and he said, Billy Graham, you keep doing what you do. He said, because you cannot compete with Hollywood. He said, but Hollywood needs you. Amen. Amen. Hollywood needs some Billy Graham right now. Can I get a yeah. party in, yeah. in here? Yeah. What a joke. Yeah. What a joke. And see, for so long we get our talking points from the industry or our end caps of our grocery aisles, folks, I'm telling you, the Word of God stands forever. But we've been entertained too much. We've got too much TV. We've got too much entertainment. I sound like an old fuddy-duddy now, don't don't I? One of the things I want to say is don't just sit there. I don't need to give you the facts on television watching. I think the average American watches three and a half hours of television a night. We don't need to know the facts on sitting on our behinds. But spiritually speaking, I think it's a condition that we have in our life that we're not standing in the gap because we're sitting on our butts. And we're wanting someone else to do it because we're sitting there going, well, it's their problem, it's their fault, they need to fix it. And I just want to tell you kind of the spirit at our church and what happens. I'll never forget when I got that email to come through, and I just highlight this because it's standing in the gap. When when Elmer had sent me that email, Steve, I don't know what you can do, but is there any possibility of you helping this family? It wasn't a matter of us helping the family. It was a matter of how much we would help the family. And I chose in that moment, when I was sitting at my desk at work, I chose in that moment to literally enter into that situation and identify with this girl and I actually sat there and closed my eyes and I wondered for a minute what it would feel like to have my kids with Steve lap and Ann and walk in there to a house that was completely empty with nothing in it. How would that feel? No. Yeah. Right. And Ezekiel we see the leaders. We're not only taking advantage of people, but they were engaged in all sorts of sin, they were doing all sorts of things, they weren't involved. And wealth has a weird way of deflecting you from the problems, doesn't it? When you get kind of above the fray, not only does the wealth protect you in a way, in our gated communities, in our garage doors we close, and some of our garages, we can actually live in those garages. And so we shield ourselves from identifying from anything that would be lack, anything that would be other, anything that would be less than us. Is standing in the gap have to do with prayer? Absolutely. But prayer is what springboards us into practically speaking doing things. Andrew Murray writes this, stand in the gap. The glory of intercession is when a person is bold and asks from God what he desires for others. Here's what you do. Today, we interceded, and I pray this really starts to heat up, and we look at the needs of the people individually, and we look at the situations, for instance, like Jim, and we decide to surround ourselves and speak blessing and speak life and speak healing. Folks, I want to tell you today, to prop people up doesn't mean we go around them and just kind of weep over them and say, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. You fight for that person! We don't drown our sorrows away here. We fight through it. My watch has this little standing thing. I have this goals thing for my exercises. And one of my goals for the day is for me to stand. And one of the goals, and it's funny, I'm just a standing walking kind of guy if you don't know that one by my preaching. But by the time I'm done here, it's crazy how many miles I've walked up I've stage here. <laughs> But my goal is to stand 12 hours a day. That's my goal it gave me. And when I hit that goal, it'll go, you've reached another goal. And it's so exciting. We stand for 12 hours. It's it's a a fun, fun kind of thing. But for for Scripture, and I've shared this with you so many times, one of the Scriptures that is so annoying is that when you've done all you've done to stand... Wow, I just want to sit, don't you? (laughs) When I'm at work, I don't sit at the phone. I'll talk all over the place. It's bad because I've got those portable phones, and my office is upstairs, and I'll go downstairs to talk to my mom, and I'll leave the portable phone downstairs. I'm just always walking and talking and pacing in there, and I, I, I can't sit. And it's important for our churches with a spiritual mindset to be in a place and be aware that, hey, it's time to get up. The most annoying thing in my watch will tell me, Hey, you've been sitting too long, stand up. And I'm like, I'm not standing up, I'm I'm sitting down. And I get in this struggle. Folks, know your role today. Know your role today in intercession. Folks, you are you are no longer a slave, you're no longer a sinner, by the way. Turn to somebody and say, You're no longer a sinner. You're a saint. You're no longer a sinner. Now, I know that song in that first verse says a wretched worm that I am, but I'm not a wretched worm anymore. Amen? amen. Didn't get there. Let's try that again for our funny daddy in here. You are not a wretched worm anymore. You are a son. Can I get an amen? Amen. Psalm one fifteen sixteen 16 says this. You don't have to turn there. It says the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth was given to mankind. Hmm. So when you were created from Adam and Eve, not from the monkey or the cell on the ocean there, but when you were fearfully and wonderfully made in the very image of God, God said when Genesis, way back in the day, that he gave dominion of this earth to mankind. In other words, he gave us the ability to invent. Aren't you glad you're in a car now? Aren't you thankful for the God-given brain that these brilliant men decided to take risks and say, there's got to be something better than the pooping horse over there? Aren't you glad? Think about the movable printing press, Johann Gutenberg. Johan! <laughs> Printing Bibles for thousands of people. We have the Scripture not only because God inspired it, but because practical men said, we need to get the Word out, so let's use a printing press and let's get it in everybody's hand. Hallelujah. Dominion. Dominion to men. I didn't wake up this morning going, what should I do today, Lord? What? Oh my goodness, what's your will for my life? Oh God, help me make the next decision. No, folks, you walk out into it and you enjoy it. I didn't ask God to so have a cup of coffee today. I drank my cup of coffee because He gave us dominion of the coffee they I <laughs> I
1: didn't
0: ask God if I could have a cup of coffee. Lord, should I take a shower this morning? Lord's like, if you don't take a shower, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> you take a shower, you see, You take that shower. I don't need to ask God to take a shower. How silly we've become. God is sitting on the throne, and we're sitting on our thrones. The only problem is, God's going to sin until He comes back. We're supposed to stand up. You don't need to ask God a bunch of things, a bunch of questions. Does God want to work in people's lives? Does He want to bless people? Yes, if you've got the ability to bless someone, and you don't do it, the Bible says that's sin. You've been given every gift. And you know what you can do with the gifts that you've been given? You can sit on them and never use them. Or you can say, God, I want to activate them. God, I want to be a blessing to someone. Use me now. And use the strength God's given to you. But know your role today. You are not a worm. I am sick and tired of the idea and the mindset that we've been given that, well, poor woe is me. I just don't know if God wants to bless my life. Oh, Lord, I know I've been a wretched person, but the Lord, somehow use me. I'm looking for someone to stand and dance. And I
1: found no one. Are we
0: done with a silly, self-prideful, false humility talk? Are we done here with that? Do we get to the point where we say, Forget not all my benefits. I no longer call you slaves, but I call you sons and daughters. I call you partners with me. The only way God works on this earth is through men and women. Do you know that? Amen. If you're waiting for Moses somehow an apparition of Ezekiel or Isaiah or some great saint, where is Paul when we need you? We don't need Paul. We need you. I don't need another Paul. Paul already came. He's gone. These saints were given to us as examples to say, follow me as I follow Christ. The heavens belong to God, and the earth belongs to men. Why, well, thought the earth was Lord and the fullness thereof, Pastor, yes it is. He gave us dominion, though. And we can either choose to use it or abuse it. You have the ability to intercede. In fact, Jesus told his disciples this, this really crazy thing Jesus said. Red letter again. I love red letters, don't you? That way you don't have to figure out, well, what is the spirit in this? My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. See, folks, Intercession is partnership with God. John Eldridge writes effective prayer is far more a partnership with God than it's begging Him to do something. Not begging God. God already knew what we were going to pray before we even asked for it. When we come into the throne room of grace, we stand up. You know, many times I challenge you. I challenge you as opposed to just bowing low. I challenge you maybe sometimes to rear up and lift your heads from where your health comes from and say, God, I thank you for blessing this city. God, I thank you for blessing my home. God, I thank you for using me and imparting gifts to me that no one else has. And God, I want to be someone who blesses someone. Partners. Partners. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Maybe you post this on your verse, those of you who still think you're a worm today. Listen, when my children go into the kitchen, they get to rummage whatever cupboards they want, don't they? You know, we look at this kind of crazy God idea, and it is a God identity thing, and maybe you've had some bad experiences with your dad in your life, but I want to tell you, your dad's not the Heavenly Father. And if you can get that healing and understand and get vision for who God is, that He is the loving, gracious Father, if our earthly fathers who are evil, the Bible says, know what to give us, how much more does the Father in Heaven know what to give you? Galatians 4, verses 4-7. through But at the right time, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent Him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that He could adopt us as His very own children. And because we are His children, God sent the Spirit of His Son in our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father, Daddy. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own children, and since you are His children, God has made you His heir. See, here's the the finishing component that gets us out of the law into grace. Isn't it beautiful living under grace and not law? Can I hit an amen there? Jesus comes, by the way, the word Abba, which is Daddy. Daddy was not not even in the Jewish dialogue in the Old Testament. We don't hear the word Daddy until we get Jesus on the earth. We can cry out to Christ and say, Daddy, rescue me. I believe this is in prayer where practical promptings can begin. Practical promptings are these for all of us, stepping in and saying, well, I'm not an intercessor. That's a real graduated, acclimated form of prayer. I'm not that kind of prayer person. I want to tell you how prayer begins and how prayer ends for all of us. Now, I'm glad if you go into your quiet place and attack things and go after the Lord. I pray that all of us do that. But folks, how many know you can pray all times? Some of us beat ourselves with a whip, a religious whip. Oh man, I didn't do this today. I didn't read that chapter today. Folks, the Word of God is in you. Pray all the time. Like Sandra in that verse, pray all sorts of supplications. We could do all sorts of things. The first step in the outward discipline. And this is how we gain proficiency in anything. You want to be proficient in anything today? We'll do this a success, successory seminar here. The accomplished pianist who, pianist, who today spryly runs her hands up and down the keyboard, once had to agonize over the simplest scales. The same is true for us. So we begin... In the simple, conspicuous, even artificial ways, lift your breath prayers to God. Those whose favorite color is purple are reminded of God's continuing loving presence each time they see the color purple. Surgeons can be prompted to prayer by each scrub down as they prepare for an operation. The bank teller can pray whenever someone comes to the window. We can put pressure sensitive labels on the refrigerator and the bathroom mirror and the television set washing dishes, making beds, waiting in supermarket lines, all can call us to prayer. Jogging, swimming, walking can remind us as well. Andrew Murray writes. Think about that in your life where you get to the point where you're not so consumed with your busyness, but that you use that busyness and that you start becoming about your father's business. Think about in your in your. Your success mode and your goals and all of your driving and all of your career choices and your career moves. Do you think for a moment where God has placed you that God's presence can be effective in that moment? Frank Lobach called it his game of minutes. He calls it. No one's got time in here. Anybody here got any extra time in your life? So you nobody know raised their hand. How many got so much going on in your life here today? Yeah, it's the game of minutes, folks. You know, you're never going to get the right conditions for God to move. Never. It's always going to be inconvenient for you. Just like the people who were seeking out healing, they really had to burst through the crowds. They had to burst through the scenes. We see the man who was the blind man, and we see the leper saying, Lord, heal me. I'm unclean. I'm unclean. Get out of my way. People would push him back, and they would go through the crowds. We see the woman with the issue of blood. Who just could reach out just enough to touch the hem of a garment? She wasn't praying for hours. She wasn't seeking all this. She sought after the Lord in that moment, in that game of minutes, and God touched her in that moment. We have this perceived notion that somehow, man, I didn't get to pray for three hours. I didn't get to the prayer meeting, I didn't do this. Folks, intercede in the minutes of your day, every moment, every hour. Take that time. Psalm forty two seven. why don't we turn there real quick. I believe this is what starts to happen. We start to think thoughts towards people of prayer as opposed to malice and cutting them out from underneath them. We start to pray for them and we start to pray for people because we're built up with a spirit of love and prayer as well. You know, you really can't pray too effectively for people you don't love, can you? How can you pray for someone you don't even love? Psalm 42, 7. See, God's Spirit moves in our heart, and God starts to change us, and then we can start effectively praying for people. Psalm 42, verse 7. says, I hear the tumult of the raging seas, as your waves and surging tides sweep over me, but each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing his songs, praying to God, who gives me life. I love that. The Bible calls it like this, deep calling unto deep. Richard J. Foster says, we begin to now to think with love. Our decisions become increasingly bathed and in loving rationality. I do not quite have the words to explain it to you. We become, for example, more sensitive to the hurts and the sufferings of others. We walk into a room and quickly know who is sad or lonely or dealing with a deep, inexpressible sorrow. In such case, we are able to slip over beside them, sit in silence, bringing comfort and understanding and healing. You know, folks, I'll tell you this just personally, and it's not a mystic kind of thing, but you can get into rooms and environments, and you can actually kind of discern what's going on in those places when you start getting close to the Lord. How many have been in places and you just kind of got a little squirrely and you start praying? You can go into environments, I can go into places of the city and I'll just drive through there. And it's not just spirit or anything like that, just functional things. But you can start to identify the different types of heaviness going on in those zones and those regions. Territorial spirits, the Bible declares them as. Well, houses have territorial spirits too. People have been bound by things spiritually. And do you know when you start to pray or have that intercession, praying before you go into meetings? You know, it's crazy. You know, you can pray all the time. Do you know this too? Nine times out of ten, this is my own personal survey. We all love surveys. We survey ten people. But you know what? Nobody's going to say no to prayer. They might say no to your preaching, but they will never say no to prayer. I had a guy call me in the industry with me and he called me, and he has a legal situation. He said, Steve, I did this. You said, I did these to the windows, yada, yada. What do I do? She's even saying, if I don't, they're going to call a lawyer and all this. And I kind of gave him some simple advice. You know, the Bible says to be wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove, right? And I said, you know what? Do you mind if I just pray for you? I said, all the all the opinions and everything I can give you, why don't, do not you mind if we just stop for a moment and I'll pray for you? You know, folks, I challenge you this week, when you're in conversation with people, people are going through some pretty heavy stuff. I I challenge you even at church here, you know, we all sit in the same seat. You can't sit in your not normal chair, can you?
1: Now we'll take some hot spots.
0: I challenge you when you start walking into this place, you know, everybody's got needs in here, I challenge you to get outside your own needs. I challenge you to look around the room, maybe grab someone, maybe give someone a hug that you don't normally talk to, maybe talk to someone you don't normally talk to. Start to get into it, start to develop a love pattern that's kind of outside the norm for you, and, it, and that's the thing, what intercession starts to do, intercession, uh, intercession starts to break up some of the old, crusty, moldy stuff that we develop in our life, bad habits. Here's turns where we say, give me bad habits. Here's what starts to happen. We start to sit beside people in silence. And we actually can start to bring comfort and healing into a situation. Do you know that? You get in dark situations that are not comfortable, that's where you can start to pray. You know, the Bible says it like this, to pray in the Spirit and with understanding. You know, there are times where I'm praying and I don't know what to pray. You know what I start turning on? I start turning on the gift of tongues, and I start turning that in and I start praying in the Spirit. And I pray in understanding and I'll switch back and forth. Man, it's crazy. Right under my tongue i just start to pray in the Spirit. Folks, if you don't have a prayer language in your life and you want it, come to me today. We'll pray. Ask God that you could receive your prayer language. That's some funky monkey thing. The Bible declares it. Paul says, I thank God I pray in tongues more than all of you. Without an interpretation, by the way, there. All, all us Baptists go We can pray in tongues. There has to be an interpretation. Pastor, pray in the Spirit and with understanding. See what starts to happen, and the Scripture calls it like this. There is, there is, there is no other way to say it but groaning. You know, this is where we start to pray like we mean it. Pray like you mean it. Isn't it so crazy how flippant we get with people? People have really important situations they're praying for, and we're, we really have a bad habit. I don't ever do this. Do you ever say, I'll, pray, I'll, I'll be sure to pray for you. Now, has everybody, has everybody said that and then prayed for them right when they said that? Has everyone always done that? Or am I the only one that said, I'll pray for you, and then then forgot? Can I get a raise hand anybody that forgot in that moment? Okay, so everybody in this place was indifferent in that moment, including myself. We'll be sure to be praying for you. Now, this is not Hallmark card time. Make someone feel better, okay? This isn't wishing. This isn't a wishing well. Prayer is not a wishing well. Praying like you mean it. Ian Bowles, a great man on prayer, said, The entire man must pray. Hebrews 5, 7, During the days of Jesus, His life on earth, He offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save Him from death. We always caricaturize Jesus in the moment of Gethsemane, where he sweat crops of blood, and he pleaded with God, if there's another way, let there be, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. We always package Jesus and his groaning, just in that moment. But I want you to see another face of Christ. A Jesus, when when he was on earth, it says that he literally had prayers and petitions, and cries and tears. Charles Spurgeon said that tears are liquid prayer. Sometimes the only thing you can do when you pray is cry. Remember Hannah? When she prayed, the priest looks at her, and like many religious spirit people said to right, her, just drunk. What are you doing over there? You're getting crazy over there, A wacky woman. That would be the Steve Lack version of that. I can't, I haven't been drinking I've been pouring my soul out to the Lord see I think we get so jaded in life so knowing too much that we don't even bring prayers and petitions because we don't even think it even matters anymore you have to raise your hand for that but if you're there today I challenge you to a bigger God than that I challenge you to let go of control of your prayer and thought life there. And as you put on the mind of Christ, you could actually be open to the bigness of God so that God can start to do something. Do you know, one of the most fascinating verses of scriptures for me was the Christ one. I don't want to use this one because I'm not trying to go there with that whole word of faith idea. But when Jesus would go town to town... There were certain towns where Jesus couldn't even do many things because people just didn't have any faith in him. He said he couldn't do many miracles. I think, wow, many miracles. We just want some here, right? That's where our faith is. I just want some. I just want one. I just, you know, but, but really we just get to the point in our life where there is of no consequence for that. And I challenge you to have your prayers mean something. The groaning, the, the fighting, the going through things. John Eldridge, by the way, a brilliant writer, wrote on the book of Psalms. Has anybody ever read the prayers of Psalms, by the way? The prayers through what David prayed. They were very cutting-edge. They were very raw. They were not scripted. They were not cataloged. And it's amazing because John Eldridge said this. Good heavens. He certainly wasn't embarrassed by the world reading his journals. How many of you are embarrassed by that today? Nothing is hidden here. David quite lustily sailed the seven seas of human emotion in his prayers. You couldn't get away with this in most churches. The man seems reckless and unstable. Your average board of trustees would have him sent to a therapist. But remember, David is called a man after God's own heart. It was God who made him king and canonized in prayers in the Bible. These psalms are given to the church as our prayer book, our primer, and they are beautiful. John Eldridge goes on to write, I find myself embarrassed by how formal my prayer life has become. How careful. As if it somehow shield God from the depth of the seas within me. And he goes on to talk about a time in his life when he was in prayer and one of his close friends had died just suddenly. And John had talked about how he was kicking walls and breaking down doors and he was yelling at God saying, God, what? Where is the emotion? Oh, I forgot. We we'll don't talk about emotions because they're so unstable. I love you, guys. I mean, you know I love you. Honey, I love you. Emotionless and devalued. We devalue things when we don't put our whole heart in it, don't we? We devalue the objects in our life when there's absolutely no meaning to it. We devalue people. We devalue Christ. We devalue our prayers. Because our whole person has been involved with it. Folks, I challenge you this. Get carried away in your prayer life again. Get carried away. Get carried away. David, when he went into the presence of God... Threw off his outer cloak. His wife was all embarrassed. He was dancing before the throne, going back and forth, thanking God for everything. And she said, Put the clothes off! David didn't care. Didn't care. What are you saying, Pastor? Do I got to get physical with this? Yes, you do. Stand up. Kneel down. Do something. Awaken yourself up. In other words, start to wake things up. You know, you're not going to get any better in your, in your physical man without exercise. Why would we think we wouldn't get better in our spiritual man without spiritual exercise? Get carried away in your prayer life. One of the practical things I do, and I don't know what your practical thing is, I don't know how you get into the throne of grace, but I have a secret. Ready for the secret? For me personally... It's a pair of Dre Beats headphones. Thank God for Dre Beats. Sound canceling. I put those on. I get to listen to my ambient music. All the sounds from outside are shut off. I close my eyes and all of a sudden I'm into the throne room of grace. I'm dreaming. I'm seeing things. I'm seeing visions that I didn't see before because Steve was stuck in the moment of the day whether it's reading the news or talking about this or this opinion or that and I find God. You see, I can't listen to traditional Christian hymn type stuff in my quiet times because I'll find myself down memory lane singing old songs and I forget about God, believe it or not. So it's really nice with just these sounds and I can just go to places with Christ and I can actually create my own melodies in that moment. That's just my thing. What's your thing? But if you're not doing anything, you need to get something. First of all, we say, get something. Because we don't need more books, folks. We don't need more sermons. In fact, I love that quote by Andrew Murray that says, Jesus didn't teach his disciples how to preach. He taught them how to pray. Teach us to pray, God, because we're missing out. Teach us to pray, God. God, how do you do with this? Well, this, this particular situation, guys can only come out with prayer and fasting. Why well, I thought we did it this way. No, 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 this one's different. See, we want the same old God with a new problem. See, God might always be the same, but how do we know of God? He changes on He messes you up. He messes me up. And he says, you get out of your melodic, Moment you get out of your situation and your lukewarmness, I want you to run after me, to seek after me, as a deer pants for the water brook. Oh, my soul longs for you. Get carried away in your prayer life again. Get carried away. Say, what what do I do? I don't know. Dance. Yell. Shout. Kick the wall. You guys can come back next week, and you know construction companies there James 5.16 I'm just telling you to do something different for me one thing that I learned to do and it worked out great in prayer is walking around I just walk, walk around just walk heck you can get exercise in and walk pretty neat I just want not have time to pray I don't have time to read the Bible. Yeah, time for everything else. Just pray, please. Stop. Just ask God to forgive you for your numbskullness. <laughs> Come on. I mean, don't we want to grow up? The Bible says, let's get from the milk and let's get to the meat. I don't want to just be eating Gerber, Gerber weenies all day, folks. Banana pudding, I don't want, I I want to eat some good stuff. I want God to show His secrets with me. You know, the Bible says that God shares His secrets with those who He favors or whom He trusts. If God can't trust you, don't think that He's going to share great things with you. And if you're not willing to have secrets told you, then He's for sure not going to tell you, because He will not cast pearls before swine. And what that simply means in my life is, God, if I don't treasure what You're doing, if I don't treasure Your Word above everything else, if I don't treasure Your Spirit above everything else, then God, I don't want to just take advantage of the graces that You've given to me. God, I want to cause them to be precious in my life. James 5, 16 Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And the earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and produces wonderful results. Let's continue on. We forget about this because we think of all these saints as being these high-powered super gods, so to speak. Elijah was as human as we are. And what that literally means is he had all the temptations, all the struggles, all the headaches, all the problems, all the setbacks, just like we do. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. And then he prayed again. And the sky sent down rain on earth and began to yield its crops. That's some pretty supernatural stuff, being able to call down rain, huh? Some of you need to start praying for 70 degree weather here in the month of February. We start going back. You know, I looked up that word... Fervent. In other translations it says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. Here's what it means, folks. And this is where you need to get aggressive in your prayers. Prayer is aggressive. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. You wrestle for those loved ones in your life. It means this, to bubble over because you're hot enough to boil. It's to show great zeal and to be ardently passionate. Literally boiling with interest and desire to be deeply committed to something with the implication of the accompanying desire to be earnest, to set one heart on, to be completely intent upon. Some of us, we pray a couple times right God, I'll pray for you. I have these little pour over things. I love, I love coffee, cracked coffee. They have, do pour-overs. I don't know if you've ever heard of a pour-over, but you put this coffee in a little filter, and then you boil water, and then you pour it in there, and then it has a drip, individual drip thing. It's just a better way to get the flavors out of those beans. Mm. I'm there already, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll do that. My mom got it for me, a special st- Starbucks set, and what this, this specific pot, I can't say it has this thing where when it boils, it goes to the perfect temperature. The perfect temperature for coffee is around 200 degrees. That's that's the perfect temperature, and so at that 200 degree mark, it's just at boiling, and you pour it off and you pour it in there. That's the perfect time. Do you know what's going to be perfect for a spirit of intercession with you when you start to boil over with fervency, when you actually care? Now I'm not getting into personality stuff. I know we've got type A, left brain, right brain stuff. I'm just asking you to care. I'm asking you to boil over. I'm asking me to boil over. Just like that water is the perfect temperature. And I'll pour it in there and I'll watch that hot water and steam rise. It creates the best cup of coffee, folks. The best ingredients for you and me. It's not the absence of things in our life, but it's the presence of the fire and the spirit of Christ to do something with those ingredients in our life already. Mm -hmm. Zeal. Folks, zeal has much appeal. We must be earnest in our prayers. As you start to look through the eyes of faith, it's a very, very beautiful, beautiful thing. Sandra, if you want to come up here and start playing. I don't even have that oil anymore. it all ran over here. Why don't we close our eyes for a moment? Today, I pray it's a stirring message for everyone in here. But I do want to pray specifically for those who've maybe become indifferent towards prayer. And right now, if you're to be honest with yourself, you're like, I really don't care. And that's an honest place. The first step for all of us is just to be honest. But let me ask you this. It says, ask and it shall be given. Maybe you say, God, I I want that. I desire that. In my heart of hearts, God, I know it's wrong, but I just, I am hurt. I'm jaded. I'm afraid. Some of us are afraid because we're afraid that if we don't get the right answer at the right time, somehow we'll let others down or God will let them down. Folks, we never need to worry about propping God up. We don't need to worry about propping the Bible up. It will stand by itself. I said about all of us that... We need to stand. We've we've sat too much. And today, dear loved one, family, allow the Holy Spirit to give you strength to stand right now. And watch as the indifference goes away and the desire replaces that. Today specifically, I don't want this to be just a very generic thing, but I am saying that you you feel God is calling you specifically to this. And you say, you know what, I'm ready to stand. And for those of you who are around, maybe you've been standing for a long time, keep up the good, keep up the fight. But today, dear believer, you're standing up because you've been sitting too long. I don't want you to raise your hand. I want you to stand up wherever you're sitting and allow God to minister to you and say, I'm taking a stand right now where God is calling me at. Wherever you are, in Jesus' name, would you stand up? don't want to lead us in a prayer because you know I just really feel the spirit kind of moving in a way where I want you loved ones where you're standing maybe you pray a prayer right now maybe you maybe someone here wants to pray that's standing up as we're committing to something that's not well I'll pray when I get to it or love you hope things go better but things are getting hot in your heart and your soul again, would you be willing to pray? For those of you standing up right now, I want you to look up for a minute. I want to tell you it's pretty awesome, the call of God, and it's very real. And here's, when you start answering the call, when you start really standing up for those things, and you say, I want to stand in the gap, I, I want to be offensive in what I'm doing, God trusts you with that, and He's excited about it. And that doesn't mean you're going to be praying for 26 hours a, a day doesn't mean that you're not going to stumble. It just simply means you're making yourself available. Yes. And I am i am the worst person when it comes to that consistency there. I'm all over the map. But I will tell you this, that God is faithful and He wants to do awesome, awesome things. Yes. I think it's awesome you're standing up. And uh, in fact, we're going to have you stand for the next hour here while we all go to... No, I'm just kidding. I love you guys very much. Why don't we just all pray together? Why don't we all stand together? Father God, I just thank You for Your Spirit in your presence, in your power, abiding in this place. We all stand here together, Lord. When we've done all we've done to stand, we stand some more. And I thank you for a congregation that doesn't just sit around and wait, but God, we die there. And God, I pray for a special anointing for all of those, God, who are standing on the promises of God today. And Lord, I just pray that you would move in power and that your presence would go before them. And that you would do awesome, awesome things. For greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I pray against the spirit of fear or timidity. I pray clarity and focus. God, I pray that you would put dreams and visions in their minds and in their hearts as their desires turn towards you. And God, I thank you for that in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Love you folks very much. Have an awesome, awesome week.